Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. I gotta get tighter socks. Choir keeps knocking my socks off. <laughs> wow. Woo! Good grief. Um, Justin had mentioned something before um, that uh, yeah, this week I was going to speak on the 700 out of the 7,000. Um, yeah, he's right. I am. Um, but uh, let me let me preface it with this. Um, last week. Um, I spoke about the 7,000, and um, um, I, I know that there's, that's a lot to think about. Uh, <clears throat> there's, there's a lot that, that we can do. We've put suggestions into the bulletin, and um, um, folks, that's, that, that is suggestions. I found out um, since then, um, as we go through this process, that there's a lot of you that are already busy. Um, you're already doing things. And yes, those count. All we're trying to do is, is to give, give you options. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> how this works. Um, I think last, last week, um, Shirley said to me, okay, now what are you going to do? And, uh, and actually, after thinking about it, I really do think I'm going to just spend some time um, down at Westbrook. Um, I, 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 I'm telling you, maybe it's because my mom is, is, um, uh, in a, in a, um, assisted living facility in, in Western New York and I can't be there. So maybe that's my reasoning in that. I, you know, we're, we're in a different situation. My brothers all live up there. So mom has, has someone to come and visit, but, um, down, down at Westbrook or down in, in other assisted living facilities, um, there are a lot of people who are there that have no one. None. Nobody comes to visit. Uh, wow. What an ex- that's, you know, guys, um, that's, an exist- that's an existence. That's not living. That's an existence. And, and when you look at someone who has given their life to... to you know, whatever they had done all their life, and then, and then to sit in a nursing home, um, I, I just, I can't, I just can't stand that. It's killing me, and I, I just, I got a feeling that that must be where the Lord's leading me because He's hit me in the head about three, four times on this one. So, so I think that's, I think that's where I'm going to spend my time. I might, I might be up here telling you what, what you need to do, but I want you to know that I'm not going to sit here and just point and say go that I'll say, how about follow me, and, uh, and we'll do it that way. Um, oh, incidentally, Mary Ann, where are you? Ah, there she is. Would you stand up for me? Just, yeah, stand up and do a dance. Um, Mary Ann is, is in charge of missions, the missions. We're the ones, we kind of came up with this, and she made up that, that, that folder or the, the paper in the bulletin, and and all of that. She is a missionary herself, so she knows what this is all about. 
And uh, when you fill out those papers and stuff, she'll be the one that's going to be calling you um, and to... Um, you know, and to help put you into a place. Well, we'll, we're doing that because we'll take you by the hand and we'll say, here's where you, you know, come on, we'll go. And then we'll cut you loose. And, you know, there's so many things that you do that I know that that uh, um, we we don't know all the things that you're doing. And I'm learning this. You're doing a lot of it. And, and uh, you know, it's, I know that, that not all of you can jump up and go someplace. Sometimes what you do you, you do with a committee and you make things to give out to somebody. Yeah, that counts. You're doing it in the name of the Lord. You're touching somebody's heart in the name of the Lord. That's good. It's a good thing. It's what we're here for. Um, turn to your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the Word to them. And then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so that so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And then Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were amazed and glorifying God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I never knew he could dance. And he was dancing, dancing with his bed. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being our God, for loving us. Lord, for, for touching us in, in such an awesome way that, that you lay your hand upon our heart and, and, and we move. And we thank you for that. We thank you for loving us. Father, I thank you for your word. And as, as we go through the scripture today, I ask that you would just touch our hearts, that you would lead us and guide us in the direction that you would have each of us doing so individually. God, lead us. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I, I like about the, the book of Mark, is, it's that, that um, Jesus in here is, is like a, a tireless, tireless servant. And um, um, everywhere that he goes, he's mobbed. 
there's there's people around him all the time. He goes to one place and 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 just you know I don't think he can turn around without without running into someone, or he can't turn around without somebody tugging on on his robe. Um, it it's I tell you, it's probably having the the human body that that Jesus came, God in the flesh. How tired he must have been from from just the constant work that that was going on. But his <clears throat> his reputation had had preceded him, and and people were coming to him, and and they were doing anything they could to either get themselves or to get a loved one down there in in front of him, just to be able to to say, I I hear Jesus is coming, or or he did show up. I hear that he's here, and and they grab someone that they love, and they take him down in front of Jesus. And, and you know, you got to think about this for a moment. Um, what would you do? What would you do if Jesus was in town, and and you yourself, or, or someone else that that you knew, um, needed to be in front of him? Someone had maybe. Maybe they had a cancer, or, or maybe maybe they had a heart problem, or or maybe uh, um, they had an artery blockage going on, or or something something that was going on. Maybe maybe they'd had a stroke, and they were bedridden, and you knew Jesus was in town. What would you do to get that that loved one? down there in in front of Jesus. You know, when you look at it today, um, people will do anything when they have diseases. And, and a lot of times they'll, they'll hear about some cure someplace. And, and if, if at all possible, they'll, they'll sell everything that they have. They'll, they'll get rid of everything so that they can put the money together so that they can go someplace else, some foreign country where where maybe the the, uh, the the cure, what they're hoping to be a cure, where that is practiced, where it isn't practiced here in the states because it hasn't been, it hasn't gone through the scrutiny that we want things to go through. But they'll do anything that they can to to try and to battle the diseases that that we have in this world today. And it's it's tough. There's no guarantees in this stuff, and yet they'll do anything they can just to try and be able to to be healed. You know, in, in chapter in chapter one of, of Mark here, um, Jesus comes into into uh, Capernaum and and he heals Peter's mother in law. Uh, <clears throat> walks into the house and and she's got a fever and uh, um, and so Jesus goes over and and he just takes her by the hand and he lifts her up and she fixes them lunch. You know, it's, it's, she heals them just like that. And, you know, in Capernaum, which it happens in, in a lot of places in, in Israel, a place where they feel that something holy had happened, they build a church there. Well, you walk into Capernaum and you see all of these houses, uh, what used to be houses, maybe with walls about yay high, um, and they picked out the spot where they really feel that, that Peter's house was at. And so what did they do? They built a church right over the top of it. Um, it's, it's, it's on, you know, four legs and it's a big structure that they built. And you can hardly, you can hardly get to 
um, the, the church, or not the church, but the, but the house where, where Peter's, um, where Peter lived. Um, kind of, kind of difficult. I really would have loved to have walked into a place that they felt was, was Peter's house where Jesus went and, and, and healed his, his mother-in-law. But the thing is, is that all that is going on here in Mark, um, seems to have happened in Capernaum. And when Jesus comes to this house, and they really don't talk about what house it is, but maybe it was Peter's house. I mean, he was already there. And, and he, he's, he's in this house, and, and people are hearing that, that Jesus is, is there, and, and there turns into a mob scene. And if you can imagine what, what this mob scene must, must have been like, people, they can't even get near the door. They can't even get near the door. Have you ever seen somebody who, um, rock star, uh, somebody that, that, um, um, the kids, you know, are going crazy about or something like that and you try to get near somebody who, who was famous and, and what, how bad it was. I, um, not a rock star, but, but I went to TPC one time to watch the senior golf tournament. And I saw um, um, all the all the the oldies, you know, the the, the goodie, the oldie but good. Arnie Palmer was there. Good grief! You know how great it is to see Ar- Arnie Palmer, and and uh, um, and I tried to get close. That wasn't happening. You know, when he was done, he was sitting there in his golf cart with his driver, and and uh, <clears throat> all the smart guys sent their kids down to get autographs. Those are the smart guys. You see, because Arnie would stop, he would, he would stand on his head if he could, just to sign all the autographs for the, for the kids. What did I get? Not too close. When he left, he almost ran over my foot. And that was the, that was, that's as close as, as I got, but, you know, Arnie, Arnie, who doesn't want to get close to Arnie? But, you know, Jesus is in this house. If you can picture this mob scene, and Jesus isn't just in the house healing people. Jesus is in the house, and he's preaching to people. And they're mobbed all around him. And and there are these guys that want to bring their friend and get him before Jesus. And, And he's on a stretcher. He's on a bed. You got four of them, one on each corner, and, and they're taking him to, to go to Jesus, to bring him there for the healing. I'm, I'm reminded of a song that the Booth brothers do about, um, uh, about a, a town and a mob scene and, and the people that, that are running around the town just to explain what Jesus had done that, that day. You know, um, uh, a guy runs up to him and, and says, and says, have you seen the crippled man? He just ran through here. I'm trying to catch him. He's going home to tell him what Jesus did today. If you don't ask me, talk to the blind man. He saw it all. And this is what, this is the, 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 the whole song and, and how it goes through this way. And, you know, this is what Jesus was performing, but he was there and he was preaching. Preaching to him. And they couldn't get near the door. They couldn't. And as they brought their friend down, and realizing that they couldn't get in, there was no way they were going to be able to push their way through to bring their friend to Jesus. And you got to give them some credit about their determination because somehow they ended up on the roof. 
of this particular house um, just, just to get him before Jesus, standing on the roof. And, and, and they uncovered the roof, as it says, and they broke through. And, and actually what they did is they ripped a hole in the roof of the house. They ripped a hole in the roof of the house. And, and they took their friend, some, I don't know how they get this all together. How they, how they did it. They, they must have tied ropes on it or, or one and they, and they lowered him down into the house so that they could put him before Jesus. They interrupted him. They interrupted him. Just to get their friend there. Can you imagine the homeowner? <laughs> Now what? <laughs> Good thing I got insurance. It's, you know, I, here's my imagination. When I, when I see something, when I read this, I just, I just run wild with it, you know. I, I can just see how this happened as, as Jesus is, watches in, in amazement. He's, he's preaching and, and all of a sudden, ceiling is falling in on him. You know, it's, it's dust and dirt and, and all of this stuff is falling down as he's starting to preach. And, and, and all of a sudden, here comes, the whole thing opens up and they start lowering this guy down. And, and Jesus, I can, I can just picture him going, smiling at him and saying, wow, what faith, what faith to do something such as such as this. And 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 you know I can I can almost picture him smiling and saying, "Son, you're good. Your son, your 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 sins are forgiven you." Why? Because they believed. They believed. And they did something about it. Look at at verse in verse 6 again so that we can just in in verse 6, chapter 2, verse 6. Where it says, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, and what you may know, or but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he arose, he took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, I just never saw anything like this. This is amazing. This guy comes in on a bed. He picks up his bed. He goes out. Folks, I, I don't know if, if, if we can picture this. If, if you were paralyzed, if you had never walked in your life, do you think you'd do the two-step? Walking out the door? Do you think he would do that as you had your bed under your arm? What do you think? Did he have rhythm? I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think he was pleased? Do you think he was happy? Do you think there was joy? Yeah, there was joy. It was great. And the religious ones are going there. Bleh. Well, how, boy, how can he say your sins are forgiven? They can always find something wrong. The religious people can always find something wrong. Everybody else is going, my 
goodness, look what the Lord has done. Look what Jesus has done. And they're over there with the scowls going, boy, I don't know, what day of the week is this? Is it Sunday? I don't know. But, you know, just stop. Stop being religious and start working on that relationship with Christ. You see, that's what it's really all about. That's where, that's where they were. That's where they were. Woo! Very much like, you know, like today. Many people don't understand the power of Jesus Christ in the world. Guys, there is a power uh, that, that Jesus Christ offers us in the world. The power of being indwelled in the Holy Spirit. He can do awesome things through us. He can do awesome things through us. It's, it's, it's incredible. You see, Jesus, that's why we have a prayer list. Jesus, has the power to change lives. He has a power to change a life. Do you believe that? Do you, do you believe in the power of Jesus Christ in this world? Yes. You have to. You see, the paralytic in this account, and, and you, you gotta see this, is a, is a picture of how helpless and hopeless people are in their sin without Christ. Do you see that? People are helpless and they're hopeless in their, in, in, in their life, in this world, because of the sin that, that has them, that is indwelled within them. But they can be freed from that. They're, they're hopeless without Christ. The paralytic couldn't do anything to cure his disease, guys. They knew that Jesus was coming to town. They knew where he was going to be. And that paralytic was laying there on that bed. And there wasn't one thing that he could do to get himself in front of Jesus Christ. He couldn't crawl. He couldn't get there. Paralytic. Paralyzed. Couldn't move. Thou doing a dance. But he couldn't get down there in front of him. He didn't have the strength to come before Jesus without somebody coming to his aid. Somebody had to help him. Somebody had to care. Look over in Romans 5, 6, where it says, When we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you, do you see the importance in having godly friends? Do you see that? Christ died for us while we were, while we were yet sinners. But what this is telling me and what this story says is that paralytic man would have laid there in his house for the rest of his life if he didn't have friends who was going, who were going to bring him and lay him down before the feet of Jesus Christ. Do you see? The four friends in the story, they, they show us how, or can encourage us that, that, that friends that we need to get a hold of our friends that don't know Jesus. And, and, and this paralytic had no way of getting in front of Jesus except that his friends picked him up and brought him. They, they couldn't heal him, but they, but they could bring him before the one that could. You see, folks, with your friends, you can't save them. But you can bring them before a Savior who will. You can't, you can't heal them, but you can bring them before the one who will heal them, forgive them their sins, and make them as white as snow.
You see, God's people can bring unbelievers before Christ in three different ways. You can you can pray for them through intercession. I, I want you to think of somebody in your life. You know them. They're they're your friends. They're your son. They're your daughter. They're they're somebody that that you know. I don't know how many times I've had people come up to me and say, I'm praying for my kid. My kid is lost, lost. And I'm praying for him. And I've been praying for him for years. And, and all I can say is, if the change hasn't happened, you keep praying. You keep praying. And you don't, you don't give up. You don't give up on them. Because this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be that intercessor to, to bring them before, to before the Lord. Um, we, we lift them up to the throne of grace. That's what we do. You can also bring them through, bring them to Christ through conversation. Guys, I, I know we're, we're all shy on this kind of thing, but but through conversation, we can say, you know, here's an example for you. I'm going to tell you what Jesus Christ did for me. This is what, this is what he did for me. You know, give them the example of, of your life. You've got, you have got an example right there at your fingertips. Who were you and who are you today? Maybe your kids, you know, your kids probably know you. Who were you before? Who are you now? There's a difference. But you talk to them. And the other way that we bring them to Christ is through an invitation. Just like the four did for that paralytic. They carried him and put him in front of Jesus. You, you bring them. You bring them. But you bring them in your car. You don't have to carry them on a cot. Bring them in your car. Take them to breakfast beforehand. Take them to lunch afterwards. Whichever one feels right to you. Bring them in. Meet them out there in the, in, in the lobby. Bring them in here. Sit with them. Be with them. Don't let them go through this experience alone. Introduce them to your friends. This is... This is your family. This is your friends. You see, what would have happened to that paralytic if they would have left him sitting? What, what would happen? What would happen if while the, when they brought the paralytic to that house with Jesus and they looked at how busy it was and they set him down and said, we'll catch you on the way back out. And in they walked and they listened to the preaching and they listened to Jesus. This poor guy sitting out there laying on the ground. But that's not what they did. See, he was lost. He was lost. But because of the friends that he had, they went through... They went through a roof to bring their friend, their friend to Jesus. You know, the paralytic, this paralytic 
He had good friends. He did. He had good friends. He had great friends. And I'm going to tell you this. Your friends and your family, they're fortunate to have you. They are. They're fortunate. Guys, our, our goals that we've set up this year, the 700 or 7,000 to the community is, is a hefty goal. The 700 visitors depends entirely on you. Depends on you. And I know last year, um, the best we can figure, we probably had 250 uh, visitors. <clears throat> and uh, But we, we're not 100% sure on that because about half are, are, are actually filled out the, the paper. But we know... We know that we've had more, so the 250 is kind of a, a guess. But we're looking at 700. The guys and gals, the 700's just a number. It really is. It's just a number. This, this is more, this one is so serious because this is actually lives. This is, this is lives that, that we're speaking of. You know, we we look at, at Christianity in kind of a kind of a funny way in this country. Now I'm gonna I'm, I know I'm running a little late, and I'm sorry, but here's what we're looking at, guys. A few a month, two months ago, I told you about about a, a pastor by the name of Raju. And, and this, this Raju was a pastor over in India. And, and he was, was befriended a, a friend of mine on Facebook and started to tell his story. And, and his story was about being a pastor in India and the dangers that went along with it. The dangers of, of being a Christ follower in, in India. And, and told the story of, of people who just because they believed, were dragged out into the street and they were beaten to death. He and his group, and he'd had people in his own group beaten to death because they were Christians. You don't think about that in India, but it is happening today. And you see, something ate at me. I don't know if that bothers you or not, but it ate my insides out. There's just Because here's what kept bugging me. Because I know that one day I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and one of those days, Raju is going to show his face before the Lord Jesus Christ. And I sat there and I thought, how could I possibly even stand in the same room with a man who went through the things that he went through? How could I do that? How would I dare stand in a room? A room where, where, where people, when they, when they want to become Christians, they have to tell those people when they're going to be Christians to listen, go home and think about it because you got to know what you're up against. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your friends. You're probably going to lose your family and you'll lose your life because you're a follower in Jesus Christ. And I dare, me, I dare stand in the same place as a room with him. That just eats me to death. 
until it came to me that we're fighting different wars. We're fighting different battles. And we are. I know what Raju is facing. I know, and he's told us what he's, what he's facing. What are we facing? Apathy. People don't care. People don't care. Why do I need Christ in my life? Why? And you see, this is a completely different battle that we face in this country today. In this country. People don't care. They don't care. You see, you'll talk to a friend and they'll say, I believe in God. Guys, we, we, we make it so easy for people to, to commit to Christ. Raise your hand, whatever, whatever it might be. But there's never a change in their life. And, and in, in scripture it says, you know, if you believe in Christ, there, there, you are a new creation. There has to be something that changes within you. There has to be. And, and yet people won't make that commitment. They won't do it. You say, well, you come to church with me. And they'll say, hey, I know God. Well, first of all, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't say God, you'd say Jesus Christ. Because that's the difference here. Guys, it's Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. To know God? No, you don't. Don't play games. This is about Christ. When you are a Christian, you're called a Christian because you're a Christ follower, not because you know God. Don't listen to the, to the, to the excuses. Folks, they're lost. They're lost. They're lost. Bring them. Bring them. They're your friends. They're your family. What we're talking here is such an important thing. And the 700, I don't want to, I don't want you to just Think about the 700. I want you to think about the lives that you're changing. The lives that you are bringing before Jesus Christ. Because if you don't bring them before Jesus Christ, they're never going to get saved. Never. Christ is who makes the difference in your lives. So you got to look at this. Not as a number. Not as a number. But as saving lives. Your friends. Your family. How important is this? How important could this be? Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much. You are our God. And, and Lord, you have done so much for us. And, and you have told us in Scripture that, that to be in Christ, we are a new creation. And Lord, we want to take that message and, and give that to, to friends and, and to family and, and, and to those that we know, really, deep down inside, we know they're lost. Father, be with each of us. There is a certain amount of, of, of fear that's involved in this. But let, let that fear not, let us be able to overcome that fear. Let us take that fear and just leave it at the cross and to boldly go and, and to touch a life. Father, there is someone here today. There are many here today who right now are thinking about someone that they could bring. Father, bug them about it. Keep at them. Eat at them for it. 
Because it's a life. It's a life in Jesus Christ. And in all of this, Lord, because you are our God and because we love you, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.